1: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Even before the president and many of his administration were infected with the coronavirus COVID-19, or SARS-CoV-2, as it is officially known, I chose to dedicate much of the Reasonable Voices radio program to reminders of how we Americans have weathered many hardships before and came through them stronger together. So... We're going to begin our program today with some optimistic, artistic updates from our good film, television, and Broadway friend, Avery Summers. So please welcome back to the Reasonable Voices radio program for her monthly visit with us, Avery Summers, a successful, hard-working, and faith-driven survivor, an award-winning actress-singer whose voice has been called a powerhouse by the New York Times, who happens to be an African American female with stories to tell that are lessons for all to learn. And so it is with Avery Summers. Welcome back, Avery. How are you today?
0: Thank you. I am doing very well and I'm glad to be here with you
1: today. I'm glad to have you back, and this monthly chat we're having, I think it was a great idea.
0: <laughs> it was
1: Well, listen, you know, everyone, of course, is talking about Hurricane Delta and the probable second wave of COVID-19 returning during the flu and holiday season, on and off again, pandemic financial relief from Congress and, and of course, the president uh, leaving Walter Reed and returning to the White House with the coronavirus. Um, yeah. and, and we will talk about all that and how it's affecting Florida and you in particular and your friends, people you know. But first, Avery, Broadway remains closed and movie makers are suing New York Governor Cuomo to reopen. But Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has reopened Florida somewhat. So let's start off with tell us some good news about your career. Are things opening up again in South Florida for you personally, professionally?
0: Yes, actually, they are. I think a lot of us were a bit surprised at how quickly it seems that Governor DeSantis opened up the state because we had been shut down for a very long time, as was everyone else, and we were very slow in Palm Beach County, which is where I am, to open even though other counties were open. But now things are open, and there is a theater that I think you and I both know of, It's called the Wick Theater now, but it was called the Caldwell Theater back a few years ago, Mm -hmm. and I performed there. And so just last week, I got a call from Marilyn Wick, who owns the theater now, and she's actually been open since May. Oh, wow. Uh And she's been doing cabaret performances in her beautiful, large lobby.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, I remember that, Bobby.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely, and gorgeous. And so she refurbished it recently, and it's just beautiful. I went last Thursday to see the format of the show that she was doing, and so she asked me to be involved in a new show with three other performers uh, here in South Florida. Hmm. The show is called From Motown to Broadway, And so we're all going to sing an amalgamation of great songs. I will probably lead off more with the Broadway tunes. I was asked to send a list to the musical director of the songs that I thought I would like to do. So I'm very excited about doing live performance here with those four really, really wonderful performers. I've never worked with any of them, but I know of them around uh, South Florida in these last five, six, seven years, and things seem to be going well, so I'm excited about having the opportunity to perform October 16th, 17th, and 23rd,
1: and 24th, Okay, coming right up. Mm-hmm. It is soon, yes, I'm glad we are doing this recording today. What are the names of the others? I know it's been so long since I've worked at the Caldwell, now the Wick the theater, thank you that I probably don't know them, but what are their names? Do you have them off the top of your head?
0: Yes, I actually do. A uh, young lady by the name of Mariel Epps. Mariel has made a name for herself here in South Florida for doing a lot of gospel Sunday brunch types of shows, mm. and so she's got a niche for herself. The other person, let me uh, there's a fellow by the name of Elijah Word he uh, has done several different shows I saw him in the most recent revival of Hair uh, at a theater here mm. um, I guess it must have been over a year ago and, and there's me and I'm doing pretty much the Broadway songs that they asked us to send them a list of and uh one other young lady, um, and I failed to bring her name to mind right now, uh, Marcello, but she is a, a wonderful young Broadway potential performer. So she's patterned herself quite well after a lot of the uh, well known Broadway performers, African American. We're all African American doing this show. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it, especially because the show that I just saw, which was the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh-huh. it, was, it was really wonderful. The voices were amazing. There were no African-Americans in that show, not that it needed to be, but there weren't. But I'm really glad that this show coming up will feature all black uh, performers. And so that's really um, such a lovely addition to everything that's going on so far.
1: Fantastic. That is great news. I, I, uh-huh. uh, as, as I said, uh, well, as you said, and we know, I I worked at the Caldwell Theatre when it was the Caldwell Theatre, but that goes back quite, to, uh, quite a bit of time. Now that Mrs. Wick owns the Wick Theatre, um, uh-huh. has she changed uh, the management at, at all or are the same uh, general manager and whatever team still there?
0: No, 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 these are all new people. She is the, the owner, general manager, and she does a lot of the casting. I did briefly meet a new person who works with her now as her associate, and the musical director is different. Everyone is different there now. So they are all on board with a different way of performing. I tell you honestly. Marilyn came from the costume world. She has a lot of the original, original costumes from movies and plays and shows on Broadway. And I believe that she had several costume world buildings around the country. So she knows that side of the business. But when she was looking for some way to diversify, Her daughter, one of her daughters, said, well, Mom, there's an empty building because the Caldwell had closed and had been closed, I think, for a good three or four years. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, when she was looking for some other way to work, her daughter said, Mom, this building is empty. Let's take a look. And they did, and they fell in love with the building and where it was located. So they bought into it, and Marilyn admits that she is not a producer, or she had not been up to that point, but she did know costumes, she did know a beautiful place when she saw it, and she Mm. had an idea of how she could fit it and make it look good and and bring in people, and that's what she did, and she has been very successful, and I would say it's at least five years now, at least five years that she's been operating this theater, and, and everyone is just very excited to work with her and for her, so I'm, I'm one of
1: those people. Well, I am now. So, <laughs> I mean, she sounds wonderful. And I'm glad she's changed everything because uh, changes were needed at the Caldwell. But uh, I enjoyed uh-huh. my time there. But but actors uh, actors deserve better. And I'm glad and glad she's there. And I'm glad you're involved. And And hint, hint, I'd love to have her on the show and be introduced to her. So just in case you get an opportunity, you can drop that little note. In any case, I will. yeah, this is so exciting and I'm so glad to hear this about the Caldwell because it really uh, had a lot more potential, artistic potential than than perhaps was achieved and now with the Wick Theatre and you there, I'm excited, I really am. This is great news. Right. I, I had I had no idea uh, so much had changed down there, but anyway, okay, so yeah, that's exciting. Um Remind us, you know, we've talked, I know, on the last show about the annual New York Cabaret Convention, you more than I even. uh, I'm I'm bouncing up between New York and D.C. quite often, but you do Florida to New York. So (laughs) (laughs) tell us about that. I mean, I know you've uh, been a part of it for a number of years, but this year it's going virtually. Give, Give us some idea of what's happening with that, the 31st annual New York Cabaret Convention. 31st annual
0: convention is going to be virtual this year, as you can imagine. Yes. And I was contacted by K.T. Sullivan, who I always think of as the curator of the convention. And uh, Donald Smith was the original curator of mm. the convention. And when he passed away several years ago, she was sort of put, quote unquote, in charge. Mm. And she's just, uh, she's a dynamite. She is just absolutely Fantastic, a wonderful person to work with. And she knows the cabaret world very well. She's constantly working herself, always seeing new performers. She's got a whole segment coming up this year with new young performers. And that's how we're going to keep our business mm. uh, going, yes. generating new young performers, 15, 16, and their parents are there with them, and they're supporting their their desires and things like that. So I think that there will be three or four nights this year of the convention, and I am on Wednesday night, and Wednesday night it's called The World or A World of Cabaret, and there will be several performers who I know and I've seen over the years perform, and we each will do... One song, mm-hmm. I've been asked to do one song with my musical director with no added people, such as bass and drums. So it's just he and I, he's on piano, mm-hmm. and I'm singing one song, and it's called Maybe This Time from the show Cabaret. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about it. I cannot wait to actually see how they have managed to do this because... Um, I tell you, Zoom is is pretty incredible. I know you've done it, and I know just about everybody in your audience, or, or you know, has done Zoom. But I find it fascinating to be able to see all of those people at one time doing things and how they plan to do that. So my segment is on the nineteenth of October, mm-hmm. and it's um, going to be, I think, me and probably about seven or eight other performers that night. I think I sent that information to you, and I'm very glad that you brought that up because this is uh, this is the wave of the future now for oh. a long time to come. But we're shut down maybe until the fall of 2021. That's what they're saying, mm-hmm. but to get people to... Acquiesce and come back to the theater in the way that it is now, Marcello. Yes, is can be a bit daunting.
1: Well, it's it's something you know. I've always said, and I do practice uh, this. I love learning new things. It's not always easy, and it's not always Uh painless. But I love learning new things, and even though I've done a lot of zooming uh it's been with well of course meetings production meetings all of that of course is a given but but a a lot of uh, dramatic acting and comedic acting so it's been strictly speaking singing on zoom is something i haven't quite conquered and i need to because i'm writing this musical and we've got to rehearse somehow so i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to learning everything i can in addition to enjoying the performances of the new york cabaret convention virtually i want to somehow get behind the scenes and find out how they do it because i'm sure they're going to do it extremely well and i'm looking forward to of course always hearing you tell me now you i thought you said your night was wednesday night but monday october 19th is a monday and it uh-huh. runs runs october 19th through the 22nd so are you on monday or or are you on wednesday
0: well, I actually don't have the program in front of oh, me, oh, okay. uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, I may have misspoken about the date, but I believe I'm on Wednesday, so if okay. uh, there is a way for you even to look at that that I sent to you this morning yes. uh, about the cabaret, it's the it's Wednesday night, and it is either the world of, or a world of cabaret, so that's the night that I'm on, and okay. maybe the twenty
1: first, 21st, 21st. yes, but I'll check this. That that mm-hmm. doesn't matter as long as you're there virtually and we get to see and hear you. That's all that counts. All right, I tell you what. This is this has been a gloriously upbeat and happy uh, first segment, and so I'm going to save the question I had in mind next for the second segment. Let's take a short break. I'm I'm so glad, as always, uh, to to talk with Avery and to hear her and hear her sing, of course, but also to get her her views on life. And, and uh, uh, she's just a, um, she's a tower of history and art all mingled together. And we're going to find out more about that when we return with my good friend, I'm happy to say film, television, Broadway, Avery Summers. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. In history class, most of us learned that the Civil War ended the institution of slavery in America. The 13th Amendment declared that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude should be legal in the land, except as a punishment for crime. It is this conspicuous loophole that award-winning director Ava DuVernay explores in her blistering documentary 13th. Through a series of interviews with academics, businessmen, and politicians from both sides of the aisle, along with horrific historical photographs and modern video footage, 13th makes the case that slavery never disappeared in america it only changed form first with the jim crow laws of the south then in the 80s as the war on drugs and now with the disproportionate mass incarceration of black americans The subject matter is difficult, but DuVernay has edited the film so as to make it impossible to turn away. There are no moments of silence, no places to catch your breath. Hip-hop lyrics punctuate the film's segments, relentless in their plea for justice. If ever a film deserved to become required viewing across America, it would be 13th. Watch it tonight. 13th. Not in theaters. Discovery through Rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices news radio talk program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and we're having an incredible conversation with Avery Summers. An upbeat update of a career as a singer and actor and in South Florida now these days, but not just South Florida. We ended the last segment talking about a virtual performance between Monday, October 19th and Thursday, October 22nd of the 31st Annual New York Cabaret Convention. Of course, New York City, but once you're virtual, you're everywhere. So, Avery, tell us also about the Kravitz. I forgot to ask you about that in the last segment.
0: Yes, well, the Kravitz is a wonderful performing arts center here at West Palm Beach, and you know that, uh, too, Marcello. Yes. And uh, I was scheduled since last year. It's been a year now that I'm on their schedule to do my show the original idea was for that i was going to create a new show about the blues singers in my life that i've always loved Mm -hmm. but i had a show that you saw in new york called for sentimental reasons yes so lee bell who is the senior president of all of the performing arts there called me about a week ago after we the city of west palm beach and the county of palm beach was reopened by Governor DeSantis and he said, How would you like to keep your date of December nineteenth? And I said, Oh my gosh, all right, but you know, we stopped working on the new show back in March when we were all closed down. Mm. So he said, Listen, let's just do a reimagined version of For Sentimental Reasons. Mm. Would you like to do that? And I said, Absolutely So I talked with my musical director here, whose name is Phil Hinton. And he and I are going to get together this coming week and reimagine for sentimental reasons. And we're going to do the date of December 19th, 2020 at Person Hall in the Kravitz Center. I'm what? very, very excited. About that.
1: Yes, that is such a great facility. It is such a beautiful right. place, um, both exterior and interior. It's always been marvelous to be there, and I'm I'm so glad you're going to be back and back as soon as this year, which is fabulous. That's yes, just, thank you. Don't you just love it when you know when theaters call you and say, "How would you like to do?" Uh, and not only that, and I, I've had this experience too, but but not as much as you. But not only that. They they say, what would you like to sing? <laughs> what would you like to do? Yeah, you know, I love those calls, like <laughs> Marchello. We have we have half a dozen shows we're considering, Marchello. Which one would you like to direct? I mean, don't you love that? <laughs> yes.
0: we would love that, and, and it's, it's just such a great vote of confidence for us uh, as performers and our abilities and the things that they feel that people love, and they always say, and you have a great following, Avery. So you know, we're going to put out the information and we'll get the machine rolling on, you know, on all of the publicity for you and everything. So, yes, of course, it really makes everybody feel
1: really good. It also speaks to, and I know this is an important word for you, so I'm I'm mentioning it now intentionally. It shows trust. I had an audition Mm -hmm. a few years ago. Um, Actually, I was just walking by the director who was the head of the uh, drama department and he was going to be directing this summer uh production of she loves me and he just said oh hi marcello how are you by the way do you sing he knew me as an actor but he had, and i said yeah I, I sing and he says oh uh well in that case i'd like to audition you for whatever the role was Merit i can't think of the man's name Marichek, the perfumier uh, uh-huh. anyway whatever his name is in any case he had never heard me sing and when we uh, the first time he and the music director and I all sat in the same room was the first time he heard me sing. And uh, I, I say this in all due modesty I'm a vocal graduate, an opera graduate from Peabody Conservatory of Music. And Bob was surprised and we both laughed. I hardly got through the song because, but my point of all that story is he trusted me. And these people who are talking to you, um, whether they come from the, the Women's League of West Palm Beach or the Kravitz Center or, or the new Wick Theater, they're all trusting you. And yeah. you as a person, you as a professional, you as a talent. And I think it's well-deserved. How about that?
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. It's lovely. I mean, it's, there's nothing better than someone giving you a call and saying, I've got this or I've got that are you uh, interested? Because yeah. the first thing she said to me, Avery, have you been outside? Are you going out? And I said, well, yes, actually, Marilyn, I'm going out because she's talking about the lockdown. Yes. And I said, yes, I'm going out. I've actually been directing a piece and working with actors uh, in my ABC 123 acting classes since May 18th. And she said, oh, good. I'm yeah. so glad. She said, because we've been having cabarets in our lobby. Since May, so we both kind of got a chuckle out of that. <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> you know, you know. Here's a question I don't think I've ever asked you: What's a typical day for Avery Summers these days in in Florida? What's What's your day like when they're not calling well? you, <laughs> or even when they um, are? But we've talked about their calling. Car. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, you know, I, I'm a coffee drinker. And so the first thing I do in the morning is, I, I quite honestly, I'll, I'll say this in all, all sincerity. I say my prayer. Yes. The very minute my feet hit the floor, I say my, my thank yous and my prayers because none of us knows the day or the hour. Yes. And so when my eyes pop open, I'm always grateful and I say my prayers and then I go and do my, you know, my cleanup, my face, my teeth and all of that and I stumble Seriously, sometimes to the kitchen <laughs> I get my my first cup of coffee, and and then I look at my desk and the things that I know that I'm going to do that day. I always find time to vocalize. I sing every day. Oh, wow. uh, it's one of the habits that I've had for many years uh, of vocalizing just so that I can keep my my physical muscle operating and so that when someone calls as they have recently I can say yes I can do that because with everything if you don't use it seriously you will lose it Yes, and you know that as oh, well yes. as I do about about any of those kinds of things so and then I get to my phone and I, I do a little check in with emails and, and try to catch it with family and uh, that uh, my nephews here and nieces and people like that my nieces and California and mm-hmm. then I've got one niece in Texas so I reach out to them occasionally uh, you know so it's a, it's a real typical what's on the agenda for today type of type of life that I lead and especially now Monday Wednesday and Friday I teach my ABC one two three acting class
1: and you've told us about that before but uh, it's social distancing the studio's big enough for that and but yeah. how's that going how are the kids doing Or or are they adults?
0: They're doing very well. And these are not kids, quote-unquote, as you would think. Uh These are adults. Everybody is at least 21 to, say, 45 to 50 years old. So they're all adults of different ages, different stages in their lives. Several people have kids uh, who are half-grown now. One lady has twin boys who are, she said, oh, my God, they're old enough to drive. So that's that. Uh, (laughs) One fellow has little boys, seven and nine years old, and he brings them to class with them. They sit, they listen, they love it. But the classes are going so very well, Marcello. I had no idea about teaching. I think you may know that most members of my family have been teachers all of my life, Mm -hmm. all of them, my mom, dad, and you know, my older sister and my brother all taught. And I didn't, uh, I did not want to teach, but I find that I must Knock on wood that I am a good teacher. Oh yes, so uh-huh. my, my students love it. We're having a great time, and thank you for asking
1: about that. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, because I want to spend a little time in this second segment talking about some of the lessons you can teach us all. I'm getting a little interference. Are you moving around? No,
0: I'm. I'm
1: still now. Okay. <laughs> The perfect answer. No, no, no. I'm still now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're having lots of fun. This is so good. You make me feel so good. You know, I start my day with prayer, too. I, I first, I must admit, I, I stumble into the kitchen first and turn on the coffee maker. And then I go to the sliding door and open the blinds and say, this is the day the Lord has made. Help me to be glad and prosperous and loving and giving and forgiving and happy and uh that's that's the way because as soon as the television goes on of course we we're reminded of things people who are not so happy but i always say you can you can pick and choose how much you watch of that so you don't get too infected by it you know one thing though i do want to ask you the media and political party polls are claiming that republicans are losing senior citizens have you a sensed a difference of political direction among seniors in Florida. I mean, not that you go around taking polls, but but you are, you know, you're very much with the public, and I imagine you know a few senior citizens. You live in Florida.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Cannot avoid that. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, that's true. You know,
0: quite honestly, my, my involvement, as I've gone out uh, recently uh, with uh, the churches and things like that, I do see and I do hear a lot of seniors who have been completely disillusioned and people who were sort of a a, a right are now sort of looking to the left for some sort of sense of normalcy, if you will, Mm. quote-unquote, in their lives and in their possibilities with social security and those kinds of things. These things frighten people who don't have any other way of sustaining their lives and keeping themselves going. That, that's a very frightening place to be.
1: Yes.
0: And so I, I do see that there are a lot of things that people do want to hear about. And so these these days in my neighborhood, there are a lot of children. And now they are doing virtual as well as brick and mortar. Ah. And uh, so I don't see the children. So apparently they are back in school now, which is another thing to be discussed and people to be anxious about. And it's just so much now that everyone's so anxious about Marcello. Yes, you know?
1: I can imagine. And I know you've mentioned yes. to me before that you are you you are you have a precondition. I, I don't know that you ever told me what it was, but you may have. In any case, with with that and others, I'm sure that you know. How do people respond when? when the president says, don't worry about COVID-19?
0: Well, the people that I know, and my condition is diabetes. I, I was diagnosed with diabetes now about 15 years ago. And I have dealt with it with medicines and, and with diet and with exercise and with insulin at different times from different doctors. Uh, it all depends on which doctor I've worked with over the years. And now my medication has been significantly reduced and I'm thrilled about that. Uh, But I believe that the people that I know are looking at the president and not understanding how he can say that with, you know, over 200,000 people dying in this country. And, you know, Everybody is watching this, and I've got several personal friends. One girl's father was in the hospital. They went to back to try to get him out because he wanted to get out, but they were not allowed to get him out, and he died with them watching him through a window, Mm. and I have a cousin in Miami, young girl, fortunately, who has three children who had COVID, and she survived it, but... Her life is not the same. Yes. She doesn't feel great every day anymore. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's 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 this is a this is not a hoax. This no. is not a joke. This is real. It's a real virus, And I just want everyone to to just man up, girl up, and, and do the thing that you know is right for. It's it's nobody else but you. Do it for you. And then you're helping other people. Yes. Wear a mask.
1: Yes. And, you know, and I know people who have survived the coronavirus and they are not the same and they admit it and they're out there working. They're doing the best they can do. But life has changed, at least physically for them. There are certain limitations. And so it's not like, well, it's not like what you hear in from the White House. Let's just put it that way. You know, we're both TV actors and we know, as I always tell, as I always tell my on camera students, the cameras never lie. You 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 have to you have to think and feel the truth so that it, your face shows it, your expression, your eyes show the truth because the camera is going to pick up whatever your whatever your brain is talking about. So I just wonder, as TV actors, we're not going to get too political, but as TV actors, do you have any observations regarding Trump's televised return to the White House for the mask ripoff moment? I mean, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, my thoughts are that all of this was a show. I I don't mean to be um, such a downer about any of this, but when when people are ill, and I think that you may be able to understand this, the eyes are sick. Yes. The eyes are sick. And my mom used to say all the time, let me look at you. Let me look at your face. I can tell how you're feeling by the way you look. Mm. And I believe that he is, not doing as well as he would like for us to um, to believe. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of it, I do understand, I think, a, a sense of strength that he wants to project so that our country doesn't seem weak. Now, there is something in that, but I think it's twisted a little bit because he did go to the hospital. He has been ill. And so I want for us to all have The real information so that we all know what's going on. Because if for some reason this man is stricken and completely down, Mm. the country then has to rethink how we will react. Yes. Don't you think?
1: Yes, I I agree. And we have to be ready for any possibility. We really do. We (laughs) need to be, I often say to people, you've got to think beyond what's right now because Uh things are moving forward whether we go with it or not so you better go with that's right because it will run you over if you don't let's talk a bit we we do need to go over this a question that i always like asking you and we've talked about it both on radio and off your ancestors you often mention them your sensitivity to, to their plight and how you live your life differently knowing not only what they endured but that they couldn't possibly Imagine, in all probability, what your life
0: is. Mm-hmm.
1: Talk a bit about that.
0: Right. The thing that, that I think so much about, Marcello, is how my ancestors were brought here with no knowledge of anything, no knowledge of the language, the land, or anything. Of course, having husbands with the way. From wives and children looked away. But the thing that, that struck me most recently is how, in over 400 years now, my ancestors could possibly have looked into the future to see that the struggles that they endured and all of the things that they never got a chance to think, even think, even about or not necessarily do, not even do, they couldn't even think into 400 years hence and see me as a a young black woman, a middle-aged black woman becoming the performer that I've become and having the opportunities that I've had to perform and talk and speak and act in front of millions and millions of people on television and in film. They couldn't Even imagine that the struggles that they went through would get me to this point by standing on their shoulders. Mm. That's something that hits me in my solar plexus a lot, and I wish many, many times that even my own mother, hence these years that she's gone, could see the kinds of strides that I've made as a a a woman, as a, a a young woman, as a middle-aged woman, coming into my own. And I I thank them from the bottom of my heart, my ancestors, for dealing in the way that they did or had to do in order to make things wonderful for me. But it really pains me to see people like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and, and, and Rashad Brooks Mm. Have their lives snuffed out because of racism. It, yeah. ju- it just pains me so much that I almost don't even want to speak about it anymore, but I am determined to speak their name.
1: Wow, Avery. Well, thank you so much, my goodness, for everything you are. We're going to have to say goodbye now so I can hold it together. <laughs> But um, just want to say how much we appreciate you and appreciate your talent and appreciate your being on the show. Want to remind everyone: go to the the Wick Theater. Is that Boca Raton? I can't even remember where's the Wick Theater. Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, Boca Raton. Uh, The Wick Boca Raton. Theater and Boca Raton, and also of course to tune in to the 31st annual New York Cabaret Convention virtually done for the first time virtually, and it will be Monday, October 19th, through Thursday, October 22nd, and Avery will be on uh, Wednesday, October 21st. And don't forget that The Kravitz is back on with Avery Summers on December 19th. Avery, thank you so yeah. much for being on the show. I hope you've I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've been moved by it. I yes, j-
0: I have, <laughs> and I am always grateful for the opportunity to speak to you and to your audience and hopefully to speak my truth as i know it and it affects me every day so thank you thank you thank you all very very
1: much and so it is with avery summers by now all the best dear you keep in touch you keep lighting my fire. What else can I say? You know, you just you just make it happen, and you make us all want to make it happen even better every day. Thank you. Thank you. God bless.
0: God bless. Thank you.
1: Bye now. Bye-bye. And now, my friend, Broadway's Avery Summers. Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Trump misinformation and mental health versus duty, honour, country. By profession, I'm a movie, television, theater man, always progressing forward more often than not, figuratively, astride old Bob, filling my left stirrup with filmic happy endings and my right with the pragmatic common sense of a moderate reason, all the while hoping to protect our children's future from the ravages of what Trump enablers and McConnell have done to Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation Party. Imagine too big to jail bankers, aided and abetted by Bush Cheney, even more ravenous for their next economic, political, and environmental puppet prince. Despite our 2020 tragic political horror show, most Americans expect after Tuesday 3 November, life will return to being what we used to see at the movies. Big screen glow lighting our oversized bucket of buttered popcorn and mounds of joy, with usual keep-it-simple stupid superheroes providing happy endings on and off the screen. But can America make such a comeback? I'm a vietnam Erevet, and when I read that an average of twenty veterans die from suicide per day, I'm reminded that everyone in my basic training squad went to Vietnam except one. I was stationed at Fort Meade, singing in the soldier's chorus of the Army Field Band, but like the boat owners who rushed to help the Coast Guard rescue New Yorkers off Manhattan on 9-11-2001, I get it. Combat veterans who returned home forever changed, as we are now, allowing a GOP aligned with a president projecting his reckless carelessness on military and civilian families who've sacrificed the most— for whom support our troops is a mere convenience, must not be permitted to redefine our exceptionalism. We must reclaim our vote, our dreams, and our nation. 2020 is not the first time in American history that political leaders have been subjected to potential harm, indeed deadly force. We have a murderous history of neighbor against neighbor, since before we were a nation, even after a bitterly divisive civil war, but it didn't take a nuclear threat to all life on earth for us to benefit from a statesman and humanitarian who cared about our children's children, to honor the office of President of the United States. However, since 8 November 2016, there has been an increasing addiction to opiates derisive division, racism, climate change denial, alcohol, a willingness to kidnap and terrorize a sitting governor, and with our silence, permitting a non-peaceful transfer of presidential power. This isn't patriotism. It's domestic terrorism instigated at the very seat of American power. And like 1930s Europe, it's in plain sight. Think about that and decide what role you're playing, because America's life hangs in the balance. Even as united we stand barely manages to hold its preamble above the quicksand of tyranny, pushing us toward calling on a foggy bottom solution, we must weigh heavily on what shredding our Constitution in order to save it will mean the day after. We're not now what a land of the free looks like, nor how a home of the brave addresses such behemoth global challenges. Bravery is having the courage to recognize the problem and mastermind a solution that empowers truth as the measure of patriotic fortitude, to tell the truth about a global pandemic threatening the lives of people you were elected to preserve, protect, and defend. Bravery is duty, honor, country. So why aren't our elected leaders and America's fourth estate talking heads discussing immediate, potentially life-saving solutions? Why aren't we, the electorate, asking for new laws that see American security more in scientific, medical, and technical achievement than forever wars, unlimited terms in Congress, and climate change? Where's the beefed-up 25th Amendment? How long should we not legally suspend the repeated display of amoral and illegal behavior of a president before we move to officially question his fitness for office? Where is the mandate that says, when the House impeaches, the Senate must call witnesses to ensure we remain a nation of laws and order?" When will we recognize that we are becoming the very thing we oppose, and propose we make our one-person-one-vote exceptionalism sacrosanct patriotism, instead of continually allowing the habitual addiction to dirty money to erode our electoral process? Our president's anemic response to America's COVID-19's 7,717,932 cases is partially responsible for America's 214,370 deaths. So it's not just non-voters and those undecided who are tacitly enabling Trump's anti-Americanism. We must not only vote in every election, but pay attention to what the elected actually do between each election, or like Trump, we too will be responsible for America's losses. Some movies pay tribute to the cost of our freedom. Three, made after the real-life Cuban Missile Crisis, revealed how easily America could be disappeared from within. So with malice toward none. Let's vote rationally, because logical and equitable solutions require enlightened leaders. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.